Uh, just in case you're curious, it's 88 degrees in San Pedro Sula right now in Honduras. Uh, so for those of you that are you know, dreaming and longing for something other than the Arctic conditions that we've been facing here over the last few weeks, which have been historic and amazing. I don't know about all of you, but it was really something, you know, when they, whenever they talk about snow uh, in this area, I always think of just a little, you know, the snow level coming down to 500 feet. I think of a little dusting, you know, a little bit of white on some of the trees. And it was really something on Thursday and Friday to look up into the foothills and see piles of snow that were there. And I was kind of hopeful that, uh, that it might snow here down at this level for the first time since I was in kindergarten, which was just like three or four years ago. Uh, but I remember riding home on the bus that day and uh, playing in the snow in the front yard. That was in 1976. And uh, it hasn't snowed, it hasn't snowed since, uh, but, uh, but, but maybe, maybe one of these days. But we're glad that you made it out through all of the wind and all of the power outages and all the cold. It's great to have you here as we gather together for worship. This morning, we're continuing our teaching series for this season leading up to Easter entitled Signs of Life, where we are exploring the seven signs that Jesus performs that are recorded in the Gospel of John and what each one of those reveals about Jesus's identity as the Messiah, as well as the invitation that each one extends to us to believe into Jesus and experience life in him both today and for eternity. Last week, we looked together at the first of the seven signs that Jesus performed, which was when Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding in Cana. And this morning, uh, we're going to look together at the second sign, which also, interestingly enough, takes place in Cana. If you'd like to join me in the scriptures this morning, you're welcome now to turn or tap your way to John chapter 4, which is our text this morning. John chapter 4, we'll be starting in verse 46. John chapter 4, verse 46. You're also welcome, as always, to follow along with the text on the screens behind me here in the auditorium, as well as on the one in the courtyard. And as we pick up the action here in John chapter 4, Jesus is returning to Galilee from Samaria, where he wound up staying an extra couple of days after many people believed in him as a result of the testimony of the woman who he met at the well. And so that is the scene as we begin reading here in John chapter 4, verse 46. It says, One morning he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. And so we see there in verse 46 that Jesus is back now in Cana, the same place John reminds us, in case 
we had forgotten, that he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official, John says, who went to see Jesus when he heard that he was in town. And the fact that John refers to this person as a royal official probably meant that he worked for the Roman government, which means that it's also possible, though we don't know for sure, it's also possible that he was a Gentile. And so this certain royal official came to Jesus all the way from Capernaum, which was about 15 miles away, because his son was sick. And verse 47 says that he went to Jesus and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. And so, as the narrative unfolds for us just a bit there, John gives us some more insight into the royal official's situation. His son isn't just sick. His son's condition is dire. And so this is not just an issue of running out of wine at a wedding. This request involves the ultimate human crisis, which is death. And so this royal official is coming to Jesus out of desperation. And he's also coming with some measure of faith as well. However uninformed it might be, he's coming with some measure of faith that Jesus can help. And just like we saw in last week's story, when Jesus' mother brought the word to Jesus of the problem of the wine running out, Jesus responds again here in this story with resistance. John chapter 4, verse 48 says, Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. And once again here, we see Jesus responding in a way that feels really obtuse. And one reason that his response feels that way is because it doesn't address the very personal nature of the official's request at all. And then on top of that, Jesus doesn't really directly address the royal official either because that word you there in verse 48 is plural, right? Unless you all see signs and wonders, Jesus says, you will never believe. And so Jesus' words are really aimed just as much at the crowd that is around him as they are at the official himself, which makes everything about Jesus' response here very impersonal. Last week, we talked about the emphasis that John's gospel places on believing as an action. John's gospel intentionally stresses believing as an action. And that's ultimately, I think, what, what Jesus is longing for here in this initial response that he has to the official's request. Jesus is longing for people to believe more actively. He's longing for people to believe without having to see the signs and wonders. Because seeing by itself can actually be a very passive thing. Okay, so the royal official travels the 15 miles to see Jesus. He comes with the most desperate need imaginable. His son is sick and near death. And Jesus' response, however directly it's aimed at the royal official or not, is let's just say less than encouraging. And we can only imagine what this must have been like for this official. That to be 
in such desperate circumstances with the life of your child in the balance and to seemingly not be heard. But the official is nevertheless undeterred. John chapter 4, verse 49 says that the royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. And you have to love the royal official's persistence there. You know, as I think about this story, it reminds me actually of a scene from the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a movie from 1986 about a Chicago area high school student who feigns illness so that he can miss school. And, and while Ferris has a lot of great ideas about how he wants to spend his day, there is an obstacle to him realizing his plans that is much more formidable than getting out of school. And that is that Ferris doesn't have a car. And the scene that I'm thinking of relative to this story is when Ferris calls his friend Cameron, who is also home from school sick, to try to persuade him to come and pick him up because Cameron has a car. And despite his best efforts to resist, Cameron realizes that Ferris's persistence is ultimately going to be irresistible. And the lines that are ingrained in my mind as I think about this story is when Cameron is, is sitting in his car considering Ferris's request. And uh, he's sitting in his car and he says, he'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me until I come over. He's going to make me feel guilty. Okay? Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Right? And the royal official here in this story kind of gives me that very same sense. Right? He's going to keep calling. He's going to keep calling Jesus until he comes over. And despite Jesus' initial resistance, he will not be deterred because his request is so important. Right? This was not about a joyride to Chicago. This was about the life of his child. And this time, perhaps because of the faith that the royal official's persistence demonstrated, Jesus responds differently. Verse 50 says, Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. Go, your son will live. And so in this narrative, Right, that so intentionally focuses on believing as an action, we see Jesus inviting the royal official here to do that very thing. Jesus invites him to action. He invites him to go. And even though the NIV translates Jesus' next words as, your son will live, in the original language, Jesus' words are in the present tense. It actually says, go, Jesus replied, your son is living. Already happened. Go. Your son is living. And look at the royal official's response. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. He took Jesus at his word and departed. And through that response, right, which is wonderfully active, he does the very thing that Jesus was longing for in his initial response to his request in verse 48, right? Jesus was just lamenting the inability of people to believe without seeing signs and wonders. And what does this royal official do? He believes 
without seeing. He believes without seeing. Jesus says, go, your son is living, and he does. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what? About what we do not see. And the royal official here certainly exemplifies that. So, the royal official receives this invitation from Jesus. He leaves for Capernaum, and John chapter 4, verse 51, says that while he was still on the way, so he's on his way back, traveling the course of that 15 miles, and while he's on his way, he's met by his servants with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, his fever left him. You know, it's interesting, uh, and of course, given all of the intentionality of John's writing, not surprising at all that this news that the royal official receives echoes the very words of Jesus. The boy is living, present tense. Now, last week, we noted that one of the things that many of these sign stories have in common is that they include some kind of numeric element. Many of these sign stories share in common the inclusion of some kind of a numeric element. In last week's story, we saw it with the number and the size of the water jars. And we see it in this story with the time. Verse 52 says that when the royal official asked what time it was when his son got well, his servant said that it was one in the afternoon. It was one in the afternoon. And John 4.53 says that then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And so we see there that the time is significant and the exact hour is significant because it affirms and authenticates the official's experience with Jesus. The exact time is significant because it affirms and authenticates the official's experience with Jesus. It enabled him to know that Jesus' word was the reason that his son was alive. And the end of verse 53 says, so he and his whole household believed. And so as the story unfolds, we see the progression of the royal official's believing into Jesus. His believing begins with him coming to Jesus and asking him to come and heal his son. It's furthered through his immediate response to Jesus' invitation for him to go home because his son is living. And it's solidified through his experience of his son's healing. And not only do we witness the official believing into Jesus here, but we also see that the healing of his son leads to others believing into Jesus as well. It brings faith not just to the official himself, but also to his entire household. John 4.54 says, this was the second sign that Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Now, for John, remember, more important than the sign itself is its significance. Right? In John's gospel, the significance of the sign is more important than the sign itself. 
And the significance of this second sign that Jesus performs revolves around Jesus' power, and even more specifically, around the power of his word. Jesus' second sign is a sign of the power of his word. Because as this story shows us, Jesus doesn't need to go to Capernaum to heal the official son. His word is enough. Jesus doesn't need to go to Capernaum to heal the official son. His word is enough. His word shoots across the 15 miles and brings life to the official son immediately. And as we look closely at this text, it's hard to miss the fact that that phrase, your son is living, present tense, is repeated three times in the space of just four verses. Jesus says it, In verse 50, it's repeated again in verse 51 in the report summary by this report of the summary by his servants, and then it's repeated for a third time in verse 53. And so John clearly does not want us to miss the significance of this sign. He does not want us to miss the power of Jesus' word, and specifically the power that Jesus' word brings life. Jesus' word brings life. It animates. And that not only evokes the creation narrative in Genesis, where God speaks things into being through his word, where we have that refrain that's repeated over and over, and God said, and it was so. And it not only evokes Genesis, but it also evokes the opening words of John's gospel as well which of course themselves are an homage to Genesis. John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all humankind. And so this power that we see in Jesus' word is very much a sign of his deity. The power that we see in Jesus' word is a sign of his deity. It's a sign of his identity as the Messiah. It's a sign of his identity as the Son of God who came into the world to bring life. Who came in the world to bring life. Nick and the band are gonna come and lead us in a song as we sit for a few moments this morning with the significance of this second sign. Now, the story of the official's son is not just a reminder that Jesus' word brings life. It's also an invitation for us to believe into Jesus and experience that. The story of the official son is not just a reminder that Jesus' word brings life. It's also an invitation for us to believe into Jesus and experience that. And I think that we see that invitation in John's description of the official's response to Jesus in verse 50, right? After Jesus tells him, go, your son is living. John says that the official took Jesus at his word. 
and departed. He took Jesus at his word. It's such an intriguing phrase. And it makes me curious about what it might look like for us to do the very same thing. What does it look like for us to take Jesus at his word? What does it look like for us to hold Jesus' words in our heart and act on them and allow them to bring life to us in the present tense? Now, what might it look like to take Jesus at his word when he says, do not be afraid? Or to take him at his word when he says, I am with you. To take him at his word when he says, do not worry. Or when he says, I will give you rest. Or your sins are forgiven. or my peace I give you. Or my father is always at his work. Maybe there are some other words of Jesus that the Spirit is whispering to your heart this morning. What words might Jesus be inviting you to hold? What words might Jesus be inviting you to believe into during this Lenten season? As we sing together, I want to invite you to consider that. To listen for the words of Jesus that you might hold in your heart this season and carry with you and seek to act on and believe into May we build our lives on the word of Jesus and may we experience life today as we do that.